0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
1: Comes this morning, Amen. Come on, you can do better than that.
0: I just happened. I just happen to have my notes in my southwestern folder. Now, what happens with that, that makes me preach longer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Oh, it's hard to see the back row, but there's a couple of guys back there. I see one over here, and maybe a half one. Oh, I got one over here. I'm getting some reflection off a receding. Praise the Lord. So that's helping me see just a little bit and uh, oh it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be home this weekend. Uh, I'm really on a three weekend miracle. Uh, Last year I flew 132 planes and this year I'm up to 80 and we'll have four this week and four next week and then six the next week. So I think maybe I'll break a record this year. But it's good to be home this weekend and good to be a passion. Praise the Lord. Pastor Steve is with Josh Hanna. And uh, where he preached yesterday, I've been there. I preached there. And he this morning, will he preached this morning about 8.30. They put him in a SUV. They carried him to another church where they, as they finished worship, he walked in and preached and then went back to the other church and preached and then went back, and then he's got two others tonight. So uh, he he will be exhausted when he gets back. But that's a powerful church, a powerful church near Waverly, Tennessee, right out in the, uh, the trees and the sticks of Tennessee. And God is doing miracle after miracle, and we're still supporting their new church plants. Pastor Josh Hannah plants a new church every year, and with that, we're very, very excited. I have a word for you this morning. Is that all right? Uh, I talked with Pastor Steve and really felt like that I had a word that I needed to deliver this morning. And he was so gracious, I'm so honored, feel so honored to be able to share from my heart a few minutes this morning. And uh, I haven't preached all this week, and last week I preached uh, seven times, and this week I haven't preached at all. Um, I haven't even given a devotion this week, I've, I've had my devotions. But by not preaching this week or not giving a devotion, woe unto you this morning. I'm going to give you the whole load this morning in Jesus' name. And by the way, I believe in having a little fun at church. I believe it's all right to smile when you come to church. I believe it's all right to rejoice that you don't have to look like you lost your best cat or somebody got your snicker bar or as the queen said to me yesterday, where is that Dr. Pepper that I bought for you? I said, you bought it for me and I drank it. And she said, well, I wanted a sip of it before you finished it, but it was gone. So she missed her blessing. So, you know, you have to to catch the blessing when it's there. But I have a word for you this morning. Before I get to that, I do want to tell you that God is doing some miracles across America. We are seeing churches being organized all across America. And I I want to describe to you that we are now planting more churches in America than the churches that are dying. Two years ago that changed. Up until that point, 3,500 churches a year were closing And now the number is 4,000 a year are being planted. And so God is doing some miracles across. Now he needs to do some miracles across America. But he is doing some miracles. And for that I rejoice. I want you to be a part of that. I want you in your life to catch hold of what God is doing and be a part of that. The word that I have for you this morning is a right now word. Betty and I, we pastored for 12 years. In fact, I celebrated my 40th year of preaching. I know I don't look that old, but I celebrated my 40th year of preaching this year, and we're celebrating 25 years of being in ministry beyond the pastorate, which is supervising church planting in the Lord. In our lifetimes, we've helped to plant over 200 churches now. Uh, of that number, about 75 were Latino, 25 have been African American, and the rest are multicultural and Anglo. So we've really what I'm wanting to share with you this morning is my attitude toward what God is doing today. My attitude of what God is doing today. And so we're going to start off this morning. I, I'm really speaking on just one word. I'm going to start off by reading a verse of scripture. And I don't even think that's on the PowerPoint. But I want to go to the book of Hebrews this morning. So if you'll get your or your Bibles. and open it up I think I'll go to Hebrews chapter 3 and just start off with a couple of verses there and then from Hebrews chapter 3 as we look at this now word we're going back up into the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel and just uh, refer to a couple of passages and then I'm actually going to preach from first John this morning now is it all right to do that Yeah, I mean, I was invited and I was told I could do what I wanted to do. So that's what I've decided to do. And we're going to walk our way through Jeremiah just a little bit. Uh, We're going to look at the book of Matthew, a couple of verses there. Uh, Look in Hebrews and finish up in the book of Acts this morning. So mm, it's a two-hour message, but I'll try to give it to you in an hour and a half. Amen. So the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5. Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. The word that I have this morning is a word for the church. It's a word for the house of God. If you're not a part of that, then uh, it's not a now word for you at this moment, but maybe a little bit later in the service, it could be a word for you. But a word for the house of God. When we look at this word, we will discover that God is speaking to us today. And God has a burden for us today. That He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. Now, I want you to go with me now to the book of Ezekiel. And we'll look there first of all in Ezekiel chapter 1 and look at a couple of verses of Scripture. God discovered that the nation of Israel were in deep trouble. In fact, they had been deported to another country, the Babylonians. And so God decided that He would call a prophet out of the priesthood and he would give a special word to that prophet out of the priesthood and so as it turns out it was a singing priest he called Ezekiel Ezekiel led the music at times he was a singing priest He was a man that had a lot of problems, a lot of family difficulties, had a lot of personal problems with sickness. But he was the man that God put his hand on. And how many of you know if you're the person that God puts his hand on, you have the favor of God. You have a special anointing. You have a special gifting that's just for you. And so God spoke to Ezekiel. The word Ezekiel means God will strengthen. They are halfway through the deportation. They are halfway through the time in a foreign country. And so God calls this priest. Now you would think, and uh, if you have this idea, get rid of it this morning. You would think that when God calls a person, that God will slap him on the back and God will smile and God will say, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be powerful. You're going to be blessed. There will be many things that will come your way. Oh, you're going to have a glorious life in the plan of God. But listen to what God says in chapter 2 there as he begins to talk to this priest called in to a prophet. Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered into Ezekiel. And this is what God said to him. Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel. They are a rebellious nation. They have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. They are impudent. They are stubborn children. Now, it doesn't sound like God is really talking about a glorious life for this individual. Smile at me once in a while. All right? You got it. And then look at verse 6. And he says, And you, son of man... Do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions, do not be afraid of their words, and dismayed by their looks. Now, Betty is sitting on a dark row this morning. And I've got to tell you that when I'm preaching, I look at her quite often. Because I get strength from her. And when she sometimes gives me one of those looks... And when she gives me one of those looks, I start doing this. Um, what's, What's not quite right. So don't give me one of those looks this morning in Jesus' name. You know that when you're speaking to people, words and looks can make a tremendous difference. God is saying to Ezekiel, I've called you to a rebellious nation. I've called you to a stubborn group of people. I've called you to people that will talk about you. They will look. Uh, Ezekiel, it's briars and thorns. Now you've got to understand, Jerusalem was apostate at this point. You've got to understand that the nation of Israel, God's special people, are far from where they need to be. It is a culture in shambles, and that culture with, uh, with uh, in shambles reminds me of much of where we are today in America. You understand that our president, we are really not quite sure what religion he is, but our president has even said that America is no longer a Christian nation. We know in America only 16% of the American population goes to church one time a week. We are not a Christian nation. Don't have time to do it. But we could compare Israel then to much where we we are today and yet God has given us a word for his house today God is giving a word to his faithful children God if we belong to the house of Christ then he has a word for us today so let's go down to Ezekiel chapter 28 we're going to jump ahead Now, when we begin to understand about Ezekiel, Ezekiel is giving a positive message to the nation of Israel. He will talk about that the son of David will sit on the throne. He will talk about a new heart, that God will take away the heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. He will talk about how Jerusalem will ultimately be blessed. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, God will actually take him out in a valley. And God will say to the prophet, I want you to look and see this valley. And the prophet looks at the valley. And when he does, he sees all the dead bones. An arm, two armies have come together there. Bones all over the valley. And God looks over at Ezekiel and he says, Now Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel wanted to respond to God very quickly, much like you and I would have done. And Ezekiel really wanted to say to God, God, you've got to be kidding But he didn't say that. And so he looked up to his father and he said, Lord, you know. Lord, you know. And so God then said prophesy. And so when Ezekiel began to prophesy, we're talking about bones began to move. Jumping over each other, the leg bone connected to the thigh. Oh, I can't sing that, But we're talking about bones that came together. Sinews came on the bones. God Ezekiel's attention. And then God looks at him a second time and says now, can they really live and prophesy again? And when he did, the Spirit of the Lord came into the bodies of flesh. And they stood up a mighty army. So Ezekiel's word to all of Israel would be, the Lord is there the Lord will build a new temple. It is a powerful word. We get to Ezekiel chapter 28 and we begin to pull it in now to where we are today. In Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 26, and God says, and this is what the nation of Israel, they're in captivity. They're in bondage. Their culture, they're living under uh, other rule, uh, a foreign power. But God says, you will dwell safely. You will This is a word for somebody this morning. You will build your houses. You will plant your vineyards. Yes, you will dwell with confidence. And some translations will use the word securely there. You will dwell securely. Here's what God is trying to say to us this morning. You are of my house. And if you are of my house, you will dwell in safety. He is trying to say, you will build your houses. You will see the future from a different perspective. Uh, we have uh, two little granddaughters. We've got a grandson on the way. We've got two little granddaughters and the oldest one is four. Her name is Eden. A few weeks ago, I'm riding with Eden. She's got the Thompson Perspective. She's in the back seat strapped in. I'm in the front seat of the Mustang with her dad. And I turned to Eden and I said, Eden, when you come to okie Pokey, they're coming on October the 7th. Uh, her, she can't say Oklahoma. She says okie Pokey. I don't know where she got that from. But that, that's her word, not mine. I said, when you come to okie Pokey, Papa wants to take you to Shepler's and get you a pair of cowboy boots. She got excited about that. We're riding along and all of a sudden she's turning into a woman. All of a sudden she said, Papa, yes Eden, Papa, if you get me some new cowboy uh, shoes, I need a cowboy shirt to go with them. She's turning into a woman. She's got it. She's got it. But here's the point. She's looking to the future. She is not only excited about the cowboy boots. She has no idea where Sheffler's is. Some of you might not know where Sheffler's is. I like Sheffler's better than they do the place down at the stockyard. I don't know, just personal taste. But she began to broaden what had been given to her as a positive expression. What am I saying to you this morning? God is saying to us in this difficult day, in these days when our culture is falling apart, in a time when the economy is upside down, in a time when our houses are underwater, God is trying to say to us, in my house, you will build your houses. You will plant your vineyards. And the idea there is get the fruit. God is trying to tell us He will be with us. We will dwell with confidence. The Hebrew word there dwell. If you want a good definition of the word dwell, it's the same word in the New Testament in the Koine Greek for the word abide. A good definition is airlines, American Airlines, seat 20, row 20 and 21. That's your definition of dwell. American Airlines, MD-80, I own that seat, MD-80, row 20 and 21. What am I telling you? That's the exit row. That's the exit row. That's where you can stretch out your feet. God is trying to tell us we are not going to be in a cramped space. God is trying to tell us we will be able to stretch out our legs. God is trying to tell us we got room. And every new church I try to organize, I say to the people, pastors, you got to have room for the people to shout. You've got to have room for the people to worship. You've got to have that in your life. God is on your side. If you're in the house of God, if you're in the house of faith, he, you will be able to build your houses as He has directed. You'll be able to plant your vineyards. You will dwell in safety. Now, with I'm ready now. I've warmed up a little bit. I'm ready. Go with me to 1 John. And in 1 John, we're going to look at this word confidence a little bit more. Now really, when you begin to study the word confidence, you'll find out in the Bible, there are seven to nine Hebrew and Greek words that are translated confidence. But when you get to 1 John, you'll find a little different swing to the to the words there. Normally the words that are translated confidence, they mean trust, they mean firmness, persuasion of good courage. You, you're in a good spirit. Literally what it means is this. That you're standing in in the midst of quicksand. You're standing on firm ground. And all around you is destruction. But you're, you are standing on firm ground. All around you is destruction. All around you is confusion. But what was that little kid's name that was in the bubble there was some movie about some kid in a bubble and he's trying to get to, oh, I don't. I just saw it one time when I was channel surfing one time. One of the most ridiculous movies I've ever seen in my life. But when we're talking about confidence, we're talking about, that's not in my notes. We're talking about standing firm. We're talking about confusion all around us. We're talking about quicksand all around us. And God is saying in that position, in his position, you can stand firm. Now, here's the problem with most Christians. They are bent over. They are bent over. They are carrying so much load. They are carrying so much burden. They're actually, their best view is between their legs behind them. All I could tell about that environment of being down there, I won't go there. I, I won't go there. But they're bent. some of you are going to get it after a while. But their best view is behind them. There's a little Latin phrase that goes something like this, "incurvatus say. And it simply means that the person that is bent over all of a sudden straightens up. And as they straighten up, the natural tendency is to keep going and the eyes begin to lift. Now, when you get to 1 John and you read the Koine Greek word for confidence, it is the idea of standing firm. It is the idea of an island in the midst of quicksand, the position of God, the place of God, the family of God. But it means more than that. It is head up and it means mouth open. And the idea there is the idea of free spokenness. You've got to talk. You've got to say something. Women get this better than men. Women understand it a little quicker than men. But it, oh, you'll get that after a while. But it is the idea of the head up, the mouth open, and you're speaking. But you're not speaking negative things, but you're speaking the things of God. You're speaking the direction of God. And so when you get to 1 John and you begin to read these verses with the word confidence, again, is the idea of feet planted. Fully persuaded, head up, mouth open, speaking, moving forward in the plan of Almighty God. Now, with that in mind, and I've got to hasten here, look at the first verse we designated. It's First John 2 and 28. And John says, and now little children, abide, there's that word, dwell, big place, abide, big place, roomy place. And now little children, abide in Him that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Listen to what He's saying. He has given us a focus to the future. A focus to the future. You see, I don't focus on the problems of the economy. I don't focus on the politicians that are struggling. I put my eyes in God. The weather channel yesterday, they said it's going to hit, it's going to be bad, it's going to flood the subways. There's nothing that can turn this storm. And I looked over to the queen and I said, they forgot about God. And people are praying and that thing just started shutting down. John says, and now little children, here is the energy. You crawl up into the lap of God. And when you crawl up into the lap, God's got a big lap. He can hold this 218-pound, 60-year-old preacher. When you, when you crawl up into the lap of God and you look into his eyes, now get this, my little granddaughters, Sidney Grace has just started talking. And boy, she's going to it. She takes after her mama and her grandmama. But when when Sidney Grace and Eden crawl up into Papa's lap, And it doesn't matter if daddy has said no. It doesn't matter if mama has said no. If they're able to vocalize it, anything they want. Come on. If they speak to papa, most of you too young to get this. Bob Ely knows what I'm talking about. He's he's in my category. Amen. But anything they want, if it's available, they got it. And now, little children, abide in Him. And what God is trying to say to us, as we face the future, we do not have to be ashamed. God does not want us bent. you understand, we're the children of God. You understand, we've been washed by the blood. We're saved. And we can be walking in purity with Him. We can even be, oh, it makes me want to do my little dance. We can even be full of the Spirit of God. I got so excited about it last Saturday preaching. and had a translator and both of us got so excited and we were twirling and getting louder and louder. And the hotel, God bless them, had had a little water station over here and the glasses were stacked up. Some of those little glasses that you don't need to be drinking too much out of except water maybe, those kind of glasses were stacked up and we got loud enough, they came tumbling down. Two or three of took a little journey dancing on the floor. And several of them didn't make the trip, you understand. But you get excited. I can't help but get excited. And now, little children, abide in him that when he may appear, he's coming. When he may appear, we may have confidence. Head up, mouth open, speaking the things of God. I want to say to you, get your heads up. Get your heads up. This is a day when the church, back to our first verse, rejoicing with hope until the end. This is the day when the church can make all the difference in the world. Now, if we're talking about the future, can I share with you from the Old Testament passage very quickly when God wrote a love letter to Israel? Love letters are important. Many men have been in service and they got a Dear John letter. Now people get Dear Jane letters. One of the things wrong with our country is the women in the Marine Corps. I need about 30 minutes to describe how all that ties together. But a if you, if you, love letter is important. And when you get to Jeremiah chapter 29, you read the first part of the chapter, God writes a love letter to the nation of Israel. And it gets to the summation in verse 11. You know the verse. You see it on key rings, keychains. You see it on plaques for the wall. It's on so much. God says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God goes on to say, you will call upon me. And powerful verses of scripture there. Powerful verses. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found of you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your uh, from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from where, uh, places where I've driven you. Power, powerful love letters are important. I remember several years ago when my uncle passed away. I was taking mom to my uncle's funeral. And Mom and I were driving through the rural countryside where she grew up as a girl. And Mom told me a story that I'd heard many times before. She told me the story of how dad, she and Dad had met. And uh, what happened on a Sunday afternoon, Dad and two of his cousins got in a barred a car and drove into Johnston County, North Carolina. And they would drive up to houses and blow the horn. And... They would spy it out a couple of times. They would drive by, and if they saw clothes on the line or whatever, and we don't have that in Oklahoma anymore, the wind would take them away. But back there, they, they still do that some. And, and they, would, they would decide this is a promising house. And so they'd blow the horn, and whoever came out, they would say, are the girls at home? And if they said, well, yes, well, we're here to visit with them. And if the girls came out and they were homely, do you Southwestern guys know what homely means? Okay, they evidently, they got it. And if the girls were homely, they'd say, we're at the wrong house. But if the girls were lookers, and my mama walked out and two of her sisters, and mama had that hair look of World War II. She, oh, some of you, if you know anything about history, she the bobby socks. I mean, she had that hair coming down on her. Sh- mama was a looker. And her sisters were lookers and dad and those other two Thompson boys jumped out and Milford who was there had no business being there because he was already engaged in Mevering and she wasn't there. Milford had no business getting out to talk to Ruth but he did anyway. And uh, later he got in trouble with that. But daddy began to talk to that looker. He wrote letters. He wanted to impress her. He did a handlebar mustache one time and waxed it up. We have photos where it was turned up. Dad went and got a permanent in his hair. Cold black hair. I never knew him that way. When I knew him, it was gone. But cold black hair, got it all curled up. But Mama said that my daddy could write some of the best poems and love when she was telling me that story, she began to weep and I said, Mama, why are you crying? She said, I just remembered what happened to all those love letters. The first year they were married, they had a little disagreement. And Mama went in the backyard and burned all of Dad's love letters. And she said, oh son, if I could have one of them back now. Because at that point, Dad had lost both his legs to diabetes. He had had open heart surgery. He had had a couple strokes. And mama was literally keeping him in the world. But love letters are important. You understand God wants to write you a personal love letter. I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. There are pl- I'm not talking about health, wealth, and prosperity. Please don't misunderstand me. But God is saying I've got plans for you. He got this flat lender young man from North Carolina, met up with that mountain girl, now salt and pepper, but it didn't used to be salt and pepper. But that mountain girl from the hills of Virginia, and now 37 years and three sons and two granddaughters and a grandson on the way. God has plans for you second verse of scripture we'll go over we're back in first John and we go over to chapter three and when we look at chapter three it is verse 20 21 he says beloved beloved if our heart does not condemn us we have confidence toward God beloved if our heart does not condemn us then we have confidence God he's talking about the future but not just about the future he's focusing on relationships 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 I've known Bob and uh, uh, Edith Ely for many years I'm not sure but I imagine that Edith has a way of speaking to Bob Maybe there's a certain word that she uses or maybe a tilt of her head or maybe a look in her eye that would get his attention. And when she would say that word, then Bob knows it's over with, it's done, decision is made, only two things left to decide. When and how much. When and how much? Betty has that way with me. But the word says, beloved, if our heart condemn us not. What am I trying to say to you? We're dealing with relationships. We're talking about the plan of God. We're talking about that God can so bless us and anoint us that our relationships can be pleasing unto the Father. That the way we talk, the way we treat each other, the way we go out, the way we come in, all of that can be pleasing to the Father. And if our hearts condemn us not, if our hearts condemn us not, then we're able to stand firm, we lift our head, we open our mouth, we're able to speak the things of God with power and with anointing and with success and with victory. God is saying, you've got to get your relationships right. But beloved, we, I'm, I'm trying to get to your heart. I'm communing with you. The relationships can be right. You don't have to be defeated. You don't have to be afraid of anyone. You don't have to run. You are not being over with a load on your back. You're standing erect. You're on firm footing. You're looking to the future. You're excited about the future. You will be able to be, have victory in the future. That's what he's trying to say to us. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is up on the mountain preaching. And Jesus is saying things like, Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. And he's going through those beatitudes. And literally what he's saying is, Happy are ye. Happy are ye. Happy are ye. And the disciples... They start looking at each other and they're wondering, uh, they're wondering, uh, is he going to want us to do all this? Are we supposed to come off this mountainside and minister to all these people? Jesus, Jesus was a smart man. He picked up on it. And so in verse 13 and verse 14, he stops looking at the multitudes and he speaks directly to his disciples. And he says to them, you're the salt of the earth. And then he came back. He's affirming. He said to them, You're the light of the world. If this nation changes, it will be because of the young men and women that are sitting before us in this service today. It's the youth. God is doing a revival today among the women. Oh, by the way, if you have problems with the woman preaching, close your eyes. Let the spirit man preach. Because the spirit man is neither male nor female. And you understand today, one of the powerful moves of God is among women. And one of the most powerful moves of God today is among the young people. Is that the older ones would release the young people. And yet with guidance and loving and affirming, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Salt preserves. Salt works its way down through meat, as we would say back east, and it gets down to the bone. And the whole piece of meat is preserved. You're the salt of the earth. But he also said you're the light of the world. But if the light is hidden under a bushel, no good, no good. If you're all bent over and you're all gloom, despair, agony on me. If I had no bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. If that's your spirit, if that's your attitude, nobody wants your God. You've got to live out who you are. And who you are is not a walking in arrogance. We're not talking about arrogance. We're talking about humility. But it's the head up. I know what he's done for me. I know what he's saying about my future. I've seen the miracles of what he can do. Our our youngest son is is a preacher. He's working at the children's home, an orphanage right now. And uh, Nate the Great, uh, his brother's name is Jonathan. His other brother's name is David. And Jonathan and David were friends. And so when our third son came, we named him Nathan. So he'd straighten out the other two, Nate the Great, the prophet. And he's proven to be living up to his name. But when he was four years old, he came to me one the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And he looked up at me and he said, Dad, I miss my cat. He had uh, an old black cat by the name of Jack. And Jack had been gone for, I don't know, a period of time, a couple, three months. And four-year-old little boy looked up at his dad and said, Dad, I want Jack to come home. What can I do? I said, pray. So he knelt beside my recliner chair. Now, I am in full reclining position. And he, oh, thank God for those positions. But, hey, Dad, what can I pray? I said, tell the Father exactly what you want. Dear Jesus, I want Jack to come home. Amen. What do I do now, Daddy? I said, go to the back door and call him. So the little four-year-old boy goes and hits the storm door up high, pushes the door open. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Daddy, I don't see him. Call him again. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. And Jack came around the corner. Part of his hair is gone. He's falling over. It was a miracle of God. And it increased both our faiths. Because I was trying to figure out, Lord, if he don't show up, what do I tell this four-year-old oh boy? You understand we're human, but there he was. There he was. How do you look at the future? Head up, not arrogance, but God, Jesus Christ is your Savior. He lives. I'm talking to the family of God. I'm not talking to the world. I'm talking to the family of God. Go to the next verse and we'll wrap it up this morning. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. And in 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. It is a focus on circumstances. It is a focus to the future. It is a focus to our relationships. How do we live? What is our attitude? But it is a focus to circumstances. Little things that becomes big things. Three years ago, the queen said to me, I need a new car. And I said, okay, I'm about ready to get one myself and then mine will be available. (laughs) And we had done that for years. It was a good, I thought it was a good plan. But she said to me, I don't want your hand-me-downs. I'm tired of your oh the woman's getting a little feisty in her old age. I I I don't want your hand-me-downs. I said, all right, what do you want? She says, I want some a car with some color. You buy these old white things. She said, I want some color. I said, what else she wants? She says, I want a four wheel drive. I said, my God, woman, why do you want a four wheel drive? She said, I want to drive on those roads in the mountain that you're scared to drive on. And I want to go to the mountains when it's snowing and you won't go. She's right about that. I mean, there's some sharp dips. <laughs> so we begin to pray. And would you know that the providence of God, we drove up, the man called, one of our dear friends who we bought 15, 20 cars from, he called and said, I've got her vehicle. We drove up and there it was, a Grand Cherokee Special Edition Jeep. Red. And so we get in the car and she's driving it and A little bit later, we're driving along, and all of a sudden, my bahonkas is getting warm. Do you all know what a bahonkas is? All right. My bahonkas was heating up, and I looked over at her, and she had that grin on her face. And what the woman had done was hit the button, and it had heated seats And she was blistering my bahonkas. I'm I'm thinking I got some disease. I'm thinking I'm having a heart attack in the wrong place. I'm thinking all kinds of things. But she just hit a button. Moonroof, stereo, CD, special edition. And she still drives it in Oklahoma City. And all she has lived for years is that verse in Psalm 37 commit your way into the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart even if the king doesn't want her to have you know he will give the desires of your heart are you hearing what I'm saying and this is present state of being and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he will hear us what am I trying to say to you this morning How's your attitude? How do you focus the future? How do you focus the future? You see, Betty and I believe that God does miracles. And in the last two years, we faced two, two years of the greatest challenges of all of our married life. Not between us, but with family. We hadn't moved for 23 years. And here we moved? Wow. We love the people in Oklahoma the lady at the fertilizer store when I was explaining to her what I needed to put on my grass and told her that we had moved from North Carolina she said my God why (laughs) she said North Carolina has trees and it's green and it's beautiful why did you move and so I took about 20 minutes to tell her and when I got through telling her seven people were standing around hearing about the grace of God And the testimony of God. We love the people in Oklahoma. The weather's atrocious. (laughs) The roads are not much better. But we love Okie Pokey. And we're here in the will of God. And we're happy here. We enjoy Passion Church. It's the first church I've ever gone to that I didn't wear a tie every Sunday. We love the Passion Church. We love Pastor Steve. And says, Julie, great. Here's, the, here's what it is. When God speaks to you, when you're in the family of Christ, the future takes on a different perspective. One verse, the last verse in the book of Acts. And it's simply this, Paul is waiting to die. Paul is waiting to die. What is he doing while he's waiting to die? And here is what he's doing. Preaching the kingdom of God. He's waiting to die. He's waiting to be, be, be beheaded. Preaching the kingdom of God. Teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. How is he doing it? Being over under a load he's christian pilgrim with the load off his back he's facing the future head up proclaiming with all confidence and so when the world would say to us we should say i can't we say in christ i can when the world would say if only we say I will. If the world would tell us to say, I don't think, we say, I know. There's that within me that drives me, that compels me. I don't have the time, the world would say. We will say, I will make the time. The world would say, maybe. We say, absolutely. The world would say, I'm afraid. We say, I'm confident. The world would say, I don't believe. And we would say, I'm sure. it's a simple word confidence but it's only true when we are in him head up practice with me come on come on let's let's see Uh, if you got a crick in your neck I would have said crank but I married a mountain girl she says crick if you got a crick in your neck force yourself head up eyes upward Mouth open. Let me check on you now. Come on. Come on. All right. Could, could you begin to speak to it? Right where you are. Speak it out if you want to. But God, God's given everybody here a dream. There's no Christian that is saved that God doesn't give a dream. You've got a dream in your heart. One of Betty's dreams years ago was to go to a Bible college and find a husband. She got it. Yeah. And she finally, after 34 years, got her vehicle. Hallelujah. But head up, head up, mouth open, speaking the things of God. You will. You will in Him build your houses. You will in Him plant your vineyards. You will in Him. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Mike, Mike, I don't want any funeral music, but I don't want it too loud either. A little dancing music, but not too loud. Right where you are this morning. I I don't know. There's one or two I picked out in the congregation that the Spirit kind of directed me to, but I, I, I don't know all about you, but I know about Him. And I know what life can be in Him. And I I, I just feel like this morning, I just feel like that there's some people that need to say, today is a defining moment. I will not be bent over anymore. I will not be looking in the past anymore. But I'm going to ask the Lord today to help me to stand erect. I'm going to ask the Lord today to help me to face the future, to look into the future. I'm going to ask the Lord today to begin to walk with me as never He's walked with me before and that I'll be able to speak faith and be able to speak the promises of God, speak the promises that God has already given to you and to live out what God has placed in your heart. And if you're you're willing to do that with me today, I don't know, sis Julie. If we could have some prayer warriors to come, Uh, Pastor Bob, if you'll come, and Betty, would you and Edith come, and and some of the prayer warriors of the church, and we're just going to kind of stand across the front this morning. And those of you that feel like that you need to take a step today and say, from now on, I want to be able to live in confidence of the Spirit, confidence in the Spirit, confidence in the Spirit. And I'll be able to lift my head. I know things will happen. I know there will be problems. I know there will be days I'll be depressed. I know there will be days that I'll be wounded. But I want to be able in faith in the midst at all to keep my head up and let the world know I'm a child of God. I'm one of the king's kids and I'm moving forward to do his will. To live an example. To be an example. So many churches are defeated, so many churches are dying because they don't live out their Christianity. I want you to step and come with us. And special prayer, we have some prayer warriors. And we're going to close right here, and then if you need other special prayer, there will be those that will be available. Come on. I want some people to join me in my journey today. Come on. I want some people today to join me in my journey. That this is my day. This is my hour. God has given me a burden. God has given me a dream. And yet I feel like I've been bent over. I'm under too much load. I'm under too much stress. I'm too burdened. I'm not able to function. I'm not able to eat. I'm not able to be and do all that I know that I need to be. Oh, in Jesus' name, come on. Come on. And if you want to just come and stand with us this morning and just to declare to the devil, no longer will I be bent over. Come on. If you want to make a declaration of faith today, no longer will I be bent over, but I will lift my head. I am in the midst of a culture of sinking sand, but there's a firm spot for me. There's a place for me in Christ. There's a place. Ah, Hallelujah. In the house of God, of the house of Christ, oh God. Oh, Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Some of you adults need to come and join me this morning. We're on our journey. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord. Declares the Lord. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and to give you a future. Spirit of God Spirit of God Spirit of God in the name of Jesus Oh, come on, come on Make your stand today Hallelujah Glory, hallelujah We praise you, Lord We praise you, Lord We glorify you We glorify you We glorify you Oh, in the name of Jesus We exalt you, Lord Worthy you are Worthy you are. Worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. You're working on our behalf when we see it. You're working on our behalf when we do not see it. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And now, little children, abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything in His name, in His name. Oh, Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Reach over and take your neighbor by the hand and just give them a little love squeeze and then would you just pray a little prayer for them? Would would you just pray that they'll not be bent over by the cares of life? But would you pray that they'll be able to walk with strength? That they will dwell in a large place? that their vineyards will produce, that their houses will be a a large place, that their houses of their lives would be a, a, a place of security and a place of blessing and a place of warmth and a place of development and a place of joy. Oh, my Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, blessed be, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be. The name of the Lord. I say blessed be. Blessed be. The name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be. Hallelujah. Blessed be. Blessed be. Oh, hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Strengthen us Lord even now. Strengthen us even now. Help us to see it from a different perspective. Help us to have your eyes. Let us be on the mountaintop. That we can see far enough. The mountaintop of faith. That we can see far enough. That in the depths and the valleys. We see the peaks. On the other side, oh, my Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Oh, blessed be Jesus. Oh, blessed be Jesus. Blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. How many of you love Jesus today? Come on. Yeah, yeah. How how many of you love Jesus more than I love Jesus? Now, now I got to tell you, I really love Him. I wouldn't have moved from Carolina to okie if I didn't love him. You understand? All right. And left those two little granddaughters? Yeah. All right. Yeah. How many of you really believe what the Word says? I know the plans that I have for you. Yeah. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you an end beyond your wildest imagination. That's what the word means. Beyond you, all that we could ask or think or anything that is within us, it's there. It's there. In Jesus' name. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm starved. I'm starved. Sister Julie, can I release these people to you in Jesus' name? Would you,
1: give, would you give him and what the Lord did through him this morning a hand? Thank you. Thank you for being so real. Let me just encourage you with this. God will not place on you more than you can bear. I just felt like I needed to share that with somebody this morning. You have to discern when you're carrying too much of that burden. I'm guilty. I'll tell you right now, I'm guilty. And that message is straight to me this morning, Bishop. Straight to me. God, help me to be encouraged and to be an encouragement. I've been guilty of doing that, and I don't want to do that. Are you with me? How many of you know we can't go forward if we're looking down? Amen. Good word. Take it to heart this week. Great word. Welcome each other on the way out. Meet someone you haven't met. Don't forget next week, joint service. Come early for a seat. It's going to be crowded. 10-15, visitors, get your cookies on the way out. Second timers, come and see me for pizza. And don't forget, we can next week. Together we can. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.
0: It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.